1: Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future with totally new sources of information that will change the way you run your business. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham.
0: Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, I promise you are in the right place. Interesting topic today, impacts everyone. I don't care what industry you work in, where you are in the world, big changes are coming and It impacts money. Everybody wants to talk about money, so here's the buzz. Money on the go, or maybe I should change that to money on the run, depending on your perspective. Let's get started. The Internet of Things, it is affecting and impacting everything around us. Sensors are talking to each other. Everything is communicating, lots of big data. We know that already. But did you know that it's impacting your money and how you make payments? You probably have heard a little bit about that. Let's get down to business here, Information from your home, your car, every place you visit during the day or night. It can all be connected to financial transactions, and the goal is to help you manage your financial life. You may agree, you may not agree, but the Internet of Things is here, and it looks like it's going to stay. So the big question on the table today is, is the IoT, that's how we affectionately refer to Internet of Things, is it coming to a wallet near you? I will move us in the direction of finding out from the experts now, If this is fact, fiction, myth, or reality, the experts speak. First up on the panel, I'd like to welcome a newcomer to our radio series. It's Val Srinivas, who is a research leader for banking and securities at the Deloitte Center for Financial Services. And Val has sent me an interesting quote from a writer, a philosopher, a spiritual writer named Jiddu, J-I-D-D-U, Krishnamurti. I'll let you spell that for yourselves. And here's the quote, the ability to observe without evaluating is the highest form of intelligence. Ooh, that's deep. Val, welcome to IOT Radio. How are you today?
2: Pretty good, Bonnie. Thank you so much. It's a real pleasure to be here on SAP Radio.
0: you. Talk to me. Interesting quote. I feel like I've been put in my place and that I have to rethink how I observe and how I comment, (laughs) and I'm just going to be really quiet right now and let you tell me, what did Jiddo Krishnamurti really think?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I chose this code because, uh, you know, in many ways, the Internet of Things is about observing, observing and monitoring all kinds of things. And typically, you know, as humans, when we observe uh, whatever, you know, thing is happening in our lives or in the business world, you know, we tend to kind of use our judgment um, to interpret those uh, observations or, uh, you know, whatever we uh, we see but i think here as we get into this world of the internet of things and machines and sensors and devices sort of do the job for us um i um, my hope you know this is just my hope that um you know humans we become you know smarter more intelligent uh, not just by you know gathering more data but also, sort of, maybe even eliminating some of the biases we we tend to display in uh, in the observation of things around us. Um, and of course, you know, human judgment is needed uh, to sort of mm-hmm. infer and interpret uh, you know all kinds of data in any setting, whether it's financial services or medicine or you know any other field. But as I said, I think my hope is uh, that IoT and this is a very sort of philosophical perhaps uh, you know will make us more intelligent in our decisions and as a result of that uh, you know, probably better human beings. So <laughs> on that very optimistic and philosophical note.
0: Well, uh, I think that's uh, what we all, to, that is the, the goal to which we all, or at least most of us that I know, aspire. Now, Val, why don't you relate that quote to our topic today? We're talking money, wallets, financial transactions, and the big picture is financial services and the Internet of Things. So what would Mr. Krishnamurti say about that in terms of evaluating in the highest form of intelligence?
2: I think he would say that uh, you know in any uh any transaction any um, aspect of life uh whether it's financial services or anything else, um, observing truly observing and absorbing the information you know that you have at your disposal um, and and without sort of making a judgment in the process. Um, you know, will will lead to better, will lead to better, a better outcomes, uh, both both for the individual and and others as well. So, I don't think Jindu Krishnamurti was thinking about obviously IoT or, you know, financial services. He was making a you know a statement about life in general, but uh, in my you know the way I think about it, I think it does apply to to IoT.
0: Thank you, Val, very much. Good opening to our topic. Pleasure to meet you, and thanks for joining us. And let me introduce our second panelist, who is also a newcomer, and I'm saying newcomer for a reason. By the time I get to the third panelist, you'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, our second panelist is Hugh McCullen. He is the vice president of Axiom, A-X-X-I-O-M-E. Some people call it Axiom. I hear that it's also pronounced in very chic circles, Axiome. He's vice president of Axiom Europe, and he's responsible for strategy and change consulting in financial services, which is why he's here. And Hugh has sent me a quote from Led Zeppelin, and the song is Good Times, Bad Times. And those of you who are remembering, it was the opening track on the 1969 debut album, Led Zeppelin. I won't go into what Jimmy Page did with his Fender Telecaster guitar. That's another story in the Leslie speaker, but you can all Google that. Here's the quote. In the days of my youth, I was told what it means to be a man. Now I've reached that age, I've tried to do all those things the best I can. No matter how I try, I find my way into the same old jam. Love it. This is the first time Led Zeppelin's been on the radio with us. Hugh McCullen, welcome. How are you today?
3: Uh, Very good, Bonnie. Thank you very much for having me.
0: Thanks for joining us. Talk to me, what would Led Zeppelin say about being on a radio show called Financial Services and the Internet of Things, the topic on the Internet of Things with Game Changers? Would he say, wow, Hugh, this was a great selection for your opening quote? What would he say?
3: Well, I hope it leaves an earworm at least, and uh, people can go off and listen to the music afterwards. But from my point of view, it's um, it's a cracking quote, which um, I think – often probably relate to a lot of people of uh, of my generation, which would be Generation X. Um, growing up, I'd say it was pretty common for parents, uh, teachers, etc., to to give you advice, to tell you how things are going to be when you get older, to, to be aiming for security, to have ambition in, you know, getting jobs in banks or in the civil service or, you know, going for steadiness, going for that good pensionable job with steady promotions. But then one day you realize or you, you grow up and you realize things aren't like that at all. There aren't a lot of certainties out there. And if you try and, uh, and fight that fact, you're pretty much on your own. So I think the, the net position from the uh, quote is the only certainty that we're going to face is continual change. And we need to embrace that fact. Once we, uh, once we embrace that fact, we then challenge and refresh ourselves. We're, we're, we're looking at trying to do what's interesting and fun rather than what we think is the right thing. And uh, I suspect that the Internet of things is only going to accelerate the the change that 's coming, uh, and we will all as individuals have to to learn how to embrace that change
0: thank you hugh i 'm looking at the quote in the the last part. I find myself in the same old jam and i 'm wondering <clears throat> excuse me if the IOt means that uh, whoever this person is speaking in this line. Was told by mom and dad, keep your money close to your close to your vest, close to your chest. And here we are opening up sensors into financial transactions, which is our topic today. And what's changing in the financial world? And maybe you just can't keep your wallet as close as you want it to. Any thoughts on that before I move to our third panelist?
3: That's uh, that's a bit of a, a leap. I'm thinking more in, in terms of uh, my experience. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Thank you, Hugh. My, my,
3: my experience is more in, in implementations, and I would say uh, if we don't uh, learn our lessons, we will end up in the same old jam as, uh, as, interle- as um, financial services organizations. We need to work on and different and better and the- ways of, uh, of doing business.
0: And that brings the quote, my favorite French language quote is plus ça change, plus cela même chose. And I'll just leave that on the table. Thank you, Hugh. Nice exactement. to meet you. And a shout out to, exactement. I'll leave it to a shout out to your colleagues, your compadres at Axiom or Axiome A. I think we have a Chris Hansen and a Chris Schulze or Schulze. A shout out to them for connecting us to you. Very appreciated. Now, our third panelist is Ira Burke. If he's a stranger to you, then you haven't been listening to this series for the past year. Uh, Ira is the vice president of solutions go to market at SAP, I think. He recently changed teams and we're waiting for the new title to hit the billboard. And Ira sent me a wonderful quote from Bill Gates. By the way, Bill is now 59 years old, in case you're keeping track. And his net worth is only, according to Forbes this year, only $79.3 billion. US. But I digress. Here's the quote. All the platforms, whether it's Apple's or Google's or Microsoft, you'll see this mobile payment capability get built in. Apple will help make sure it gets to critical mass for all the devices. Ira Burke, what took you so long to come back on the show? How are you?
4: Um, I'm, I'm doing great, Bonnie, and I, I was feeling kind of lonely, so I thought it was time to uh, to get back on the air.
0: Uh, <laughs> appreciate that. <laughs> but, talk to me. Good quote from Gates. Talk to us about it is specifically on finances, so talk to me.
4: Well, well so first of all, I was a little bit um, shocked. I mean, there, there was a time, maybe not so long ago, when to see Bill Gates saying something like, Apple will help you sure it gets to critical mass, right, kind of uh, leading the way. Mm-hmm was uh... tells you that maybe maybe things have changed a little bit and uh... and and i think this quote relates to uh, to so many things that are happening in iot the way that the process of payment is getting embedded in other things that we do it's getting embedded in things that we carry it's getting embedding in uh... in in services that we acquire and we're going to see the financial layer of of activity start to be uh to blend it in more and more to the um, to the things that we do every day um, and to the devices that we have and i think uh, bill gates here is just uh is calling that out as it gets embedded into the uh into the devices for example
0: Thank you, Ira. Any comments on Hugh's quote from Led Zeppelin, "Good times, bad times"? About no matter how hard I try, I find my way into the same old jam. Any thoughts?
4: <laughs> I, I, I don't know if this is the same old jam or not. I think it, it might be a brand new jam. The way that we're seeing, uh, ah. we're seeing this change. But uh, but maybe going back to Val's quote, maybe I shouldn't jump to any conclusions. Maybe.
0: We should... ah. <laughs> oh, he's good. Well he's, said. he's he's. He's really, that's why Ira such a pro and he can talk on any topic on any radio show. Thank you, Ira. Thank you to all three of you. I'm going to circle back to Val Srinavas now at Delo- Deloitte Center for Financial Services. Val, a little time for storytelling. Tell me, where are you right now? What time of day or evening is it? And what are you drinking or what do you plan to drink after the show?
2: Sure, Bonnie. I'm sitting here in Midtown, Midtown Manhattan at oh. uh, 30 Rockefeller Center. Uh I guess I'm on the 41st floor. Uh, we keep I keep moving floors during the day, so it's hard to keep track. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm drinking a pretty uninspiring uh, cup of coffee, but I wish I had a I had a tall glass of uh, Alfonso mango juice. Uh, you know, I was in re- India recently. Uh, it's summer season there, mango season, <clears throat> where, uh, as you may have heard, they're going through a terrible uh, heat wave. With uh, temperatures reaching one hundred and fifteen degrees uh, fahrenheit well it 's not wow. that 's not the case here in new York today so
0: it 's very <laughs> but, cool and pleasant uh, i 'm on Long Island by the way, and i 'm waving to you out my office window, so I think well, you can maybe see yes. me. Yeah. yes and
2: they, thats in, me in in the heat in uh, India, one of the things that we really enjoyed was uh, you know drinking mango juice uh, I love mangoes uh, I love mango juice um, there 's nothing like uh, pure. Unadulterated uh, mango juice from uh, Alfonso mangoes. Uh, Alfonso—it's it's a breed which I believe was introduced by the Portuguese in India. So, that's, I wish I had—I had a mango juice, Alfonso mango juice in front of me right now
0: well we're going to do a shout out to whoever has some handy and ask them to bring it over to you at 30 Rock I was just there in the city went to see Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick and Stocker Channing in it's only a play on Broadway and uh, between getting the tickets and the curtain up I had a couple of hours so we walked over to 30 Rock and and took a look around and had something to drink at a Starbucks and it was a nice day so I was there if I'd have known you were going to be there today I would have waved in advance thank you Val for joining us great story i love mango juice too and hugh mccullen where are you calling from Bertie tells me that you're in the netherlands but where what time of day or night is it and what are you drinking
3: right well it's a uh, late afternoon here it's a glorious sunny day for the first time in in quite a long time and i'm in our partner company ordina's offices here in uh, utrecht um so um i've had to limit myself uh I was working in Milan all of last year, and the doctor sadly limited me to only two cups of coffee a day. From now, wow. uh, since then, I know, I know. And what a terrible place to be told such a terrible I thing! Uh, uh,
0: that's a the crime. It' was just in-
3: in- incredible there, and it must be said, every single meeting had to start with a coffee, and then then would start ten minutes late. But that's part of the uh, the rhythm <laughs> of the place, and it was quite that's fantastic. Right. But. Um, Bearing in mind where I am, I think we're pretty uh, close to the Belgian border, so I I suspect that we're going to be looking at uh, trying out some of the Belgian beers. There's over 300 Belgian beers, um, and I particularly like the uh, the Trappist ones, the ones made by the monks. So uh, Mm -hmm. that seems like the right way to spend uh, a late sunny afternoon here here in Europe.
0: Well thank you so much and uh, my uh, a close relative of mine recently traveled to Milana business and and texted me and said omg this is coffee <laughs> I'll just leave it at this that is this <laughs> is coffee yes nirvana you can, you i can ha- never go back i'm afraid oh my goodness amazing thank you and let's turn to Ira Burke where are you and you in your, are you in your home office in Connecticut today or in or Stanford, tell Stanford, me Connecticut. in Connecticut <laughs> Stanford, Connecticut and what are you drinking or what do you plan to drink
4: You know, so I have, um, I'm just having my normal cup of, you know, of, of of blended, um, you know, caffeinated, decaffeinated Telly's coffee. Uh, but the uh, the coffee maker that I'm using, I've tried so many times to replace it, and whenever I replace it, the coffee just gets worse. Um, <laughs> this is one that was, it was a company giveaway. And then in the 1980s, you could, you know, I worked for a company, and you got to pick a gift from a catalog. And in those days, they some oh, yes. didn't have a lot of money to put behind the gift. And so yes. there was like a uh, knockoff of a Mr. Coffee coffee maker, and I've been using it <laughs> ever since, and can't seem to improve on it.
0: A knockoff of a Mr. Coffee doesn't get any better than that. I'm so- I didn't know anybody would want to knock it off. Well, that's fascinating. You never know. One man's poison, Ira. What can I tell you? I remember those catalog days. I remember, oh, you've been here three years. Lucky Wait. you. Open the catalog. You're entitled to a gift worth $12.92. You have to pay the tax and the shipping, but we're happy you're with us. I I remember those days. I remember it used to call called the blue book, I think. Oh, wow, we have a lot to talk about over some kind of coffee. Thank you very much. As Ira knows, and Val and Hugh don't know yet. They only let Bonnie have water on radio show days. No caffeine (laughs) for me, and you probably figured out why already. We're talking about a very interesting topic today. We're just about to dip our toe in those waters right after the break. We're talking about financial services and the Internet of Things. How will it impact every one of us on an everyday basis? What are companies doing about it? How is the financial services industry coping with this concept of information connecting and censoring and flying all over the place? And what does it ultimately mean? And we probably... We'll have to violate Jiddu Krishnamurti's uh, statement here a little bit, and we're going to have to do some evaluating after we do our observing. So Val Srinivas has graciously agreed to help me kick off the roundtable when we come back after the break. So to our listeners around the world, don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial, and by the way... Thank you to the thousands and thousands and thousands of you who have discovered this series, Internet of Things with Game Changers. We know you're in India. We know you're in Yemen. We know you are all over the place. You're listening. You're enjoying. And we'd love to hear from you. So tweet us once in a while at hashtag SAP radio. Send us your thoughts. And if there are any topics you want us to cover later in the year, we would like to hear that. Wouldn't we, Ira Burke, who's helping to run the series? Yes, we would. Ira just said yes. Uh, Absolutely. We'd love to hear. We know you're out there. We have a very very good audience so thank you so we're going to take our break now and i'm simply going to say to my engineer brad out
1: when it comes to business you'll find the experts here voice america business network The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Insights from totally new sources of data, sensors that capture and share what is happening in your business environment and the tools to understand it and act on it. These are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Internet of Things with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at SAP.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Internet of Things with Game Changers.
0: We're back and we're talking about financial services and the IOT. A lot of things to talk about here. My panelists today are Val Srinivas at Deloitte, Hugh McCullen at Axiomay, will be very, very Parisian on this one, and Ira Burke at SAP. Val is going to kick off the roundtable. And Val, I'm looking at your notes from before the show. Here's some interesting statements you sent me. And then once I say them, I'd love to have you expand them. You say, IOT's potential will not be realized by focusing only on on the power and connectivity of sensors, using the entire information value loop in IoT in a more purposeful way is critical. So why don't you take us into this and give us a level set definition of information value loop. Val, please go.
2: Mm-hmm. Thank you, Bonnie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we think about IoT in the, in the current uh, context, um, you know, rightfully so, a lot of the excitement, is around uh, the technology of uh, you know sensors and devices you know being able to capture these data you know collect these data and so on and you know this is only going to expand over time as um, iot takes hold uh, you know whether it's uh, information that's gathered uh, from your activity tracker you know health uh, monitoring device or a thermometer in the consumer context to, uh, you know, turbines and aircraft engines in the industrial context. Um, so information, obviously, you know, gathered through these devices and sensors, and we'll get to financial services in, in a bit, and mm-hmm. uh, obviously creates um, new sources of value uh, for farms. Uh, and, uh, you know, this is maybe uh, slightly different from what we experienced during the Internet. Um, where it was about, you know, the information that was already existed, um, you know, that got put on, you know, the internet for other people to access. Mm-hmm. For the most part, I'm generalizing here, but for the most part. Uh, but slowly, we see the discussion sort of shifting to other aspects of, uh, you know, what my colleagues at Deloitte uh, refer to as the information value loop in IoT. So, uh, uh, you know, I believe that uh, the true potential of um, the Internet of Things uh, can only be unleashed when the entire information value loop, you know, it's a creation, it's, it's you know, the gathering, the communication, you know, the sensors have to send information somewhere, mm-hmm. uh, aggregation, you know, all these diverse information and data need to be aggregated and integrated. Uh, and then, you know, they need to be analyzed. Uh, so the analysis. And of course, you know, the last step being whatever action or decision that one is uh, taking, you know, whether it's in a financial services context or uh, some other context. Uh, so it's sort of using, um, this sort of framework and trying to think about, you know, what are the bottlenecks that could come up in each of these stages, you know, throughout this uh, information value loop. And what do we need to do to ensure that these bottlenecks don't exist, um, and uh, you know we are able to really leverage all the potential of IoT? Um, so many of these uh, technologies already exist—you know, big data, cloud computing, you know, all that—but investing, investing, you know, ahead of time uh, and figuring out what is the best way to use them. Uh, will be the key challenge i think for uh, financial services firms and also other other players in the i o t ecosystem
0: thank you val Hugh McCullen join us thoughts
3: yeah i couldn't uh, i couldn 't agree more with val i think um the real the point about uh, big data and i o t and a number of these other things is it 's a buzzword until you put in some value adding analytics and you start to create a loop which can then be turned into um propositions. I think um, the power of what's coming will be in that manipulation of data for value and releasing of value. Um, the very notion of big data implies that there's a huge amount of redundant data out there which won't ever be used, needed, or analyzed. So that in itself creates um, huge um, kind of redundancies in the, in, in, in the analytics. So my, I guess the one thing I would add is I would imagine... That there's going to need to be a change in mindset, a change in culture for mm-hmm. financial services organizations in particular to jump beyond what they traditionally use data for and to jump beyond their traditional propositions to see what we could, um, we could start to offer to the market and to see how the organizations themselves will evolve once they start to make use of analytics in, in, through IoT or through big data. I mean, I heard of one example, and I'm I'm kicking myself now. I didn't remember the name of the bank, but there's one bank that I was reading about where they are linking your Fitbit data, your analysis from your personal um, Mm -hmm. fitness band to the interest rate on a savings account. And that is a bizarre leap. I don't understand the uh, (laughs) ramifications of it, and that's why I'm kicking myself that I don't remember the name, but... uh, um, I wonder as well, if it's more obvious, linking your Fitbit uh, to your insurance premium probably makes a lot of sense uh, as well. And just looking at you know, the combinations that you can start to pull out in real time where you don't need a, an intermediary, you can start to create interesting propositions that um, can become automated solutions for people.
0: Hugh, I think it's John Hancock taps fitness trackers to breathe new life into your insurance premium. They're sending you a Fitbit to track your steps. Uh, it's on commonhealth.wbur.org. John Hancock Insurance helps you trade activity data for, I guess, a discount on your health insurance. Um, yeah, it's all over the news here. I just Google what company links your Fitbit to your insurance. Premium wearable tech is plugging into health insurance. or An article in Forbes in 2014. Is that where you were uh, taking this?
3: No, it's not actually. That was ah. that's one fairly obvious linkage. But there was another article, and it might be in the Economist, which was around linking your um, your health data to uh, the interest rate that you get paid on your on your bank account. Um, I will keep looking. I might mm-hmm. be making a huge leap.
2: So how would I'm going to keep work, looking it uh,
1: up. I don't how know. How would you? Yeah,
2: would would um, let's say you know if uh, the monitor picks up the fact that I did my you know daily regimen of exercise, <laughs> would would my interest rate uh, go down or go up? Uh, it's a very interesting. concept. No, I, I have to admit,
3: I have to admit yeah. that it's an interesting concept. But what what I'm really getting at is more the the change in that mindset to to start right. to link together um, data that's coming from multiple sources to create new propositions that. We could not have done before, so we have the opportunity to look at uh, you crazy new it propositions.
0: It's in Russia. Russian Bank Rewards in Customers Russia, Who Work right. Out. Yes, using data from fitness trackers like Fitbit and the Jawbone UP, um, to, linking it to your savings account where it can earn the highest interest rate the bank offers. Yes. Health wearables, privacy threat, bank rate. Yep. It's all here. Heart rate. Yes. All here. Very interesting. Okay. Wow. Okay. Ira Burke, you have to get on on this one. This is provocative.
2: It, it
4: is provocative, and I think uh, it, I mean it's also scary because look, look at all the different places we can go with this. Um, whether it's the impact on wearables, the impact on privacy, the impact on security—how much information do you really want to be sharing, and for what purpose? And how much do you trust how it's going to be used? This is—it's uh, opening up a, uh, a huge set of questions. And and how much money are they saving you? Right? Are they really going to pay you enough to make it worth your while to share your information? Right. It's uh there's so many questions, uh so many social questions, so many technical questions that need to be answered once we start uh once we start going down this road. And it'll be interesting to see how people uh people feel about that. Do people feel this is information that counters should be shared? Uh what kind of control do you expect over it? What happens when it crosses borders and the uh and the rules for sharing information are dramatically different from one place to another. Um it's uh it's it's a fascinating topic, but a really difficult one.
0: Very difficult. A lot of challenges. Yes, uh, Val, you want to chime in on this one, or Hugh? Now that we're focused on this, and then we're going to move on in a minute. Val, any thoughts about evaluating the value?
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this. I mean, the way I feel is um, the Internet of Things um, will leash, unleash, I should say, uh, a new wave of innovation in financial services. Um, but um, it may not happen within the traditional financial services industry, and I think that 's what uh, the traditional players need to watch out for you know um, the people, technology firms, or others outside the traditional mainstream financial services could use this uh, these new technologies to to create uh, you know these um, you know, propositions, as Hugh was saying. And, uh, and, and, be, and become a, become a threat to, um, you know, the traditional companies. So, so that's, I think I, I completely agree with you. It, you know, there needs to be a new mindset, a new culture within these organizations and how, you know, thinking beyond their narrow sort of, uh, sector and, uh, uh products and services.
0: Thank you very much, Val. Hugh, I'm going to turn to you, and let's look at some different aspects of this topic, which obviously is very broad. I'm looking at your notes, and let's talk about customer centricity. Here's a comment you made to me before the show. You said customer centricity is finally within the grasp of banks, and you comment that in all of your career, this has been treated as merely an add-on. Now the opportunity is right there for banks to use customer-centric platforms that pull in products and services. Talk to me. how, How will all of this IoT connectivity only send? help banks really key in to what the customers want them to know, but to give the customers what they want the banks to give them. I know that's a tautology. Talk to me, Hugh.
3: (laughs) Okay, well, actually, just um, picking up on the the last point that that Val made was around the innovation that is possible now that we've got – we're, well, or rather we're standing on the cusp of huge waves of innovation. So as I described, but most of my career has been, um, we want something customer centric and we want to implement it. So buy a system. What I think we're looking at doing now is transforming financial services completely on its head from being still, you know, product focused and service focused and you make a fee per transaction to becoming a customer centric platform which creates offerings and interprets and uh, aggregates data and then pulls in products and services as part of its proposition. Um, So if the banks banks that are going to survive are the ones Mm -hmm. who are going to become focused on giving customers more than they currently do, whilst all at the same time pulling in the products and services that they've traditionally offered, their focus has to become based on their customer interaction.
0: Okay, so we've got bank survival on the table here. Ira Burke, talk to me. Thoughts?
4: Well, this this whole idea of customer centricity I think is, is hugely important and we've seen it in in many industries where um where companies you know whether it's financial services or others are looking to build a tighter and deeper relationship with their customers because acquiring a new customer is expensive keeping a new keeping a customer and expanding the offerings to that customer is a great way to be profitable so instead of having a transactional relationship with the customer, if we're in a position now to have a deeper relationship across multiple products based on knowledge of the customer's preferences and ever deeper knowledge now that the IoT information is starting to become available, um, this is a terrific opportunity for customers to get better value and for service providers to uh, to get a greater reward from their uh, from their efforts. And I think we are going to see more of this as uh, as the richness of the data increases and as people on all sides of the uh, transaction discover the opportunities that come from a deeper relationship.
0: Thank you. Val, join us. Thoughts?
2: Uh, I, I do agree that, um, you know, IOT in, in general should be, should enable financial services firms, banks, insurance firms and others to become more customer centric. But uh, that's not a guarantee though. Just because you have all this information at your disposal, you know, doesn't necessarily make you smart, right? I think that's what was um, uh, being referred to by Hugh and uh, Ira before. It's the analytics. It's, uh, you know, how do you, how do you engage with the customer on a, on a, on a, in a one-on-one basis, right? Uh, but I think I'm, I'm really excited about the possibility that finally, um, Uh, You know, we may have this opportunity to create this uh, customer one, you know, a segment of one type uh, Mm -hmm. uh, concept where, uh, you know, we are using information not just about, you know, from the bank account or the insurance policy, but, you know, as we discussed in the examples before, going outside the, you know, traditional financial services uh, activities and transactions and behaviors and being able to offer, you know, more of a holistic uh, uh, holistic approach to uh, financial decision making, uh, you know, including health and you know, fitness and uh, you know, in the, in the consumer context. And you could apply this to you know, uh, small business lending or you know, corporate uh, lending as well. It, this is not purely a, a consumer story. It's also uh, you know applicable in the institutional context, uh, you know, where a bank lends <clears throat> money to. Uh, it's a business uh, uh, clients, so absolutely, I think IoT will enable greater customer centricity, but it's the analytics and what you do with it that'll be the unique uh, advantage.
0: That'll Good create the advantage. Good point. Now, I want to talk about our wallets. I want to talk about digital payments. I want to talk about some of the stuff that has people saying, "Really." It's not going to happen to me. Ira Burke, you're up for our next conversation thread. I'm going to read some notes here. Apparently, you've had a Starbucks PayPal experience. We'll try to keep it fairly neutral. But first, I want to talk about how credit cards in Europe have an embedded chip that requires a PIN code. And U.S. credit cards fall short, according to you, because they use a not-too-secure magnetic strip. Yes, they still do. Ira, let's get down to brass tacks here on what's happening with digital payments.
4: Yeah. Well, so first of all, you know, as uh, you know, being with SAP and SAP being a global company, sometimes it offers you the opportunity to see the world. And when you're out uh, traveling, it's it's really startling how different the use, for example, of credit cards is, uh, say, in Europe versus the U.S that um, you know, almost no one expects you to hand them a credit card in Europe where you're not going to be inserting it into the machine where it's reading your chip and entering the PIN code where in the U.S. the, the machines the machines have started to appear but almost nobody knows how to use them, almost nobody accepts them. Uh, maybe this is going to change over time and you have to wonder why the adoption has been so different, um, you know, whether it's regulatory issues or whether it's just you know, perceived that the PIN code is going to slow people down. Um, the what, whatever's happening this idea that we're going to have more frictionless transactions that we're going to be bringing uh, the financial services world to be you know to be happening more automatically to be embedded inside the transactions um there's going to have to be some some progress on knowing who a person is on making sure the transactions are secure uh and some resolution to uh to understanding uh the identity of the players involved uh and it's just interesting how it's evolved differently in different uh continents and we'll see what, we'll see where it's headed
0: Now tell me about your experience with the automatically refilling account. Uh
4: Yeah, so that that was kind of terrible. Um, so um, Kind of terrible? <laughs> kind of
0: terrible,
2: right?
4: So, let, let let Val
0: let Val decide by evaluating that what you're about to share with him. He'll tell you if I, it was terrible. I, Val, well, you well. observe, and I'm going to ask you to evaluate. Ira, you just tell us the story. Val will tell you if it was kind of terrible. <laughs> uh, well,
4: you know, so as, as we're on our way to more standardized ways of presenting your mobile device when you go to buy something, right, so maybe Apple Pay or maybe similar services are really going to take off, but in the meantime, every... Uh, every merchant has their own approach. And so one particular well-known coffee merchant based in Seattle with a store in every corner um, has their own app. And and the way that they use their app on the iPhone to let somebody use their iPhone to pay for coffee is really just having a copy of, of a gift card that's embedded in your phone and so it's using a lot of very simple and traditional means you refill the gift card um, either through credit card or paypal Um, and you know to me it seemed really simple right you present the card when you uh... when when you're buying your coffee and then when it gets below a certain level they refill it until the last time i used it about three weeks ago when the refill transaction happened over and over and over and over uh, so I saw, you know, the $50 <laughs> refill happened seven times in my PayPal account, but the gift card oh. wasn't going up,
0: right?
4: And, wow. and so <laughs> from the... Yeah, so it turns out they have another service where you can use the card to pay for something and it's billed directly to your account. And somebody got in there. Um, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, a little (coughs) scary. Um, uh, Where this all comes back to is that, you know, obviously we want to see more security around the transactions. We want to know better end-to-end how these things are running. And the truth is... You know, uh, you know, whether it's you know one particular coffee shop doesn't need to be the one that finds the end-to-end solution of all this financial services industry, the uh, the device manufacturers, uh, the credit card processors will see people coalesce around more secure mechanisms so that these things aren't as likely to happen. But for now, it's a little bit of a free-for-all.
0: Wow. Okay, Val, we're ready for you to process and evaluate. Tell us how bad this really was. <laughs>
2: Uh, you know that's uh, that's not such a terrible story. I know. I know. Ira was probably at the, the wrong end of the stick here, but uh, you know this notion of uh, I think of what uh, Ira was referring to uh, is co opetition, right? Uh, um, in the in you know increasingly um, in business, you need to look at your competitors and suppliers and uh, everyone else in the ecosystem. As uh, your partners, you know you you collaborate with them to accomplish some uh, common goal, and uh, you know it's already happening in the in the mobile payments um, uh, world. You know the technology players and banks and merchants and uh, payment uh, network providers, etc., all coming together. And yes, you know it's not a perfect world yet, uh, mm-hmm. but some steps have been taken and will be taken. And what I see is uh, the Internet of Things. Just accelerating this notion of co-operation, you know. So the, the the lines are going to blur between, you know, is it a technology firm or is it a you know payment uh, uh, firm? Is it a bank or is it you know a technology firm? So we're going to see this sort of, uh, you know, um, uh, industry boundaries and uh, uh, functional boundaries sort of blur over time. And firms, in order to survive, you have to collaborate. You have to sort of adopt this cooperation. And and um, you know whoever is able to, uh, um, you know, identify the right partners, you know, work with them, um, and uh, you know it's not a zero-sum game anymore, right? So think of it as a, as a pie that gets bigger, but as a result, you know, everybody's slice is also bigger. Uh, so that's that's the way I see the impact of IoT on how firms, whether in in the mobile payment system or elsewhere, are becoming sort of more outward-oriented and uh, working with other partners and players in the ecosystem.
0: Thank you, Val. Hugh McCullen, talk to us. Thoughts? A lot of information has been shared since we heard from you last. What do you think?
2: Well, just to go
3: back to the first point that Ira made, I have to say I did a a wonderful road trip from New York to the Florida Keys last summer, and um, Mm -hmm. I cannot remember if... Any time I presented my my European card, whether anybody even looked at the signatures at the back, and I thought that was uh, under uh-huh. current technology a ripe open opportunity for 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 fraud. And um, I was quite yep. surprised at just how open it appeared to be. So that's just a point on on existing existing risk. Um, moving on to the the payments, though, I do agree very much the idea of um, uh, that Valve was pointing about about the partners, the ecosystem. There will be a lot of suppliers with services, and by pulling together and aggregating services, we'll get to to new solutions. I think um, the the consensus, particularly around mobile, particularly around some of the newer solutions that are made, made available to consumers, is that we're willing to take risks and we're willing to test live. We're willing to. Um, to roll out a a beta version of solutions and take risks that things like the PayPal stroke Starbucks problem happens and will get fixed in live running and just hope that it doesn't damage reputation. I think that's the way the the industry is going um, and a large part of that will be driven by the speed of change, the necessity to effectively get solutions out into the market quickly um, and the acceptance of a certain amount of risk that goes along with that. Um, clearly, the corollary is: there's got to be some fantastic brand management and, and controls put mm-hmm. in uh, quickly as possible when things do go wrong, um, and that's always uh, difficult when you've got multiple partners in uh, in a services aggregation environment.
4: Yeah, so, so, but, uh, so I'm, not, I'm not I'm not entirely sure about this because I think you have, you really have to look at the risk versus the benefit mm-hmm. uh, of what's mm-hmm. going on. Right? So, how beneficial is it? to be able to wave your iPhone in the coffee shop instead of, you know, waving you know, handing them your credit card or uh, or, or giving cash. Uh versus um what risk is perceived, and I, and I, I don't think that, that everyone is just going to. And maybe I'm just you know colored because it was so annoying to clean to clean this up. But um, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't know if people will necessarily accept even a little bit of risk if they don't see a significant increase in uh, inconvenience. You know, I, actually I was uh, I was in a uh, discussion yesterday and I heard someone say something really smart uh, about the uh, Apple uh, with the uh, with the Apple payment system that's available now. And uh, what they said is that Apple's giving you a very secure way to pay, but maybe to pay with somebody else's credit card, right? That, they, that the very first step of loading a credit card into the Apple Pay system is not especially secure, uh, even though everything after that has been made, um, you know, extremely secure relative to what's in the market today. And until we tighten up really the end-to-end process, we may not see the takeoff or acceleration in this space.
0: Ira, I, th- I think everybody wants to know, were you able to clean up the issue with this f- seven-time $50 <laughs> refill on the card that never reflected? Were you, did you clean it up, or is it still we did. in the works?
4: We, 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 we did. Um, we did clean it up, and, but it was harder than it should have been. Um, with with calls it always? Pay, yeah, with calls called both to PayPal and to the and to the coffee. Uh,
0: I didn't know they had stuff. a phone number. I, t- I didn't know you could call them. I tried for years to
4: easy go. to find.
0: <laughs> I bet that's a whole other show. Ira, we, we are going to move into the uh, predictions round in just a few minutes, but I'm looking at your notes here, and there's one other thing I'd like you to bring up, digital currency. We need to talk at least a little tiny bit about Bitcoin. You want to introduce why it will help simplify digital transactions, and should we be afraid of it, or is it a good thing?
4: you know i i I don't really know that much about it but i was i was reading a little bit just before the show because i thought it was an interesting topic that should be brought into the discussion and and so this this idea of a purely digital currency and and this idea that transactions can happen with just a tiny fraction of the overhead that we're seeing in other examples. So if I want to pay somebody, I can do that online in a very, very simple way or even face to face by you know, by, by scanning each other's telephones or something. Um and the transaction is just, you know, who I am, who they are and how much money is being transferred and that's it. And not moving money between accounts and not protecting credit card numbers mm-hmm. and not having identification numbers and not moving between banks, between currencies, between countries, all those things just vanish. And so the idea of having a simple digital currency, although we're, you know, we're, we're in, that's in its infancy right now. Bitcoin is fairly volatile and not widely accepted, but still it's really interesting to see where this could go. Uh, almost as simple as exchanging cash, but maybe without the risk of counterfeiting.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. I just want to bring a note in here. Uh, there was a recent episode of a, of a new series called CSI Cyber, which is a spinoff on the CSI, uh, drama investigation franchise on on US TV. Uh, that may be a reference that you might not know. I'm not sure. But anyway, their season finale was about Bitcoin and how you can lose everything because it's just like putting the cash on the table, closing your eyes, closing the door, and leaving the, the door unlocked, apparently, and how there are... Uh, bounty hunters who will try to find what happened to your stolen bitcoins, but they 're the ones who are going to be the thieves who take it, recover it, and run away with it. It was quite an interesting show filled with all of the the trepidation about Bitcoin. Was that Hugh or Val I heard in the background? I know somebody wanted to chime in here
2: no I was just going to say uh, Bonnie that um, you know bitcoin yes uh, is, a, is a very exciting innovation, but uh, you know more and more what banks and other um, payment firms. Are looking at is the underlying what they call the the infrastructure you know the the blockchain if you will, and how do you use you know cryptography and the way bitcoin is currently you know generated um, uh, using the blockchain um, that is what is uh, seen as offering tremendous potential for any type of sort of um, you know transfer of assets whether it's uh, you know real estate assets or automobile asset or in a way they, they can be a record of what has happened to the transaction you know ever since the beginning and that, that's what bitcoin does right and you can sort of verify this through this uh, what is known as a distributed ledger where you know people you know who uh, who who who, ma- who want to mine bitcoins uh, uh you know verify that you know that, that particular coin indeed belongs to you and it, it is transferred from a to b and so on so it's, it's not so much Bitcoin per se, the cryptocurrency, that's particularly exciting, but the blockchain and what it potentially offers to financial services firms that I think um, uh, many many financial firms are thinking about uh, currently.
0: Thank you. Ew, you want, do you have anything to add?
2: To, to be
3: honest, Val stole my thunder with the whole uh, distributed ledger uh, conversation. I think that is probably that the underlying technology around Bitcoin is the really exciting thing. I think with uh, Bitcoin itself at the moment, um, anybody who's transacting in Bitcoin, they, they convert their money back to, um, to uh, coin of the realm as quickly as they can at the moment just because of the, um, the fluctuations and, and the trust issues. But the underlying technology sounds like it's... Uh, a much greater encryption than a standard, um, a standard ledger. So I think when it comes to um, the future for say share transactions or bond sales and purchases and those sorts of transactions will become um, greatly um, encrypted through uh, the distributed ledger uh, concept. So it, it is a it is an interesting time. I think the the ultimate idea of uh, of having cryptocurrencies will. Really, realise value for for large numbers of um, large parts of the population of the globe. In fact, um, if you look at um, a large, say, part of the country or countries where there's huge uh, agency fees or um, difficulties in transferring funds between expats back to their home countries, there's there's an awful lot of. Um, uh, charges and percentages and fees and transaction costs and risk that's associated currently. I think if we start to remove that, we'll we'll allow economies in other con- in other parts of the world to uh, to benefit. So that's one area where I think cryptocurrency itself will become um, a lot more powerful. It can be a, a lot more trusted than a local currency, which has the risk of devaluation at any at any time. Um, And then, as I said, the underlying technology for financial services and beyond is is quite interesting. I think if you are a traditional bank, you might start to become a little bit more worried about uh, all of the benefits that you might lose.
0: Thank you, Hugh. I I know it's Hugh. There we go. Val Shrinivas, going back to you. It's time for predictions. I'm going to give you one minute, solid minute of predictions. I know we've been talking future in, in and out of our conversation here today on Internet of Things with Game Changers Radio. Val, if you could fast forward to the year 2020. That's my favorite year. It just sounds good. But what time in the future can you see clearly to tell us what will be different about the impact of the Internet of Things on the financial services industry and taking that one step further to how we do our financial transactions? Actions, anything about security and confidentiality and privacy, and getting the payments done right the first time. Val, one minute predictions. Go.
2: Sure, Bonnie. I think you know, in another five years' time, twenty twenty, um, uh, I have a more of a pessimistic view. I think uh, most financial services firms, especially banks and investment management firms, uh, will have yet to fully leverage the potential of IoT. You know, some pro- progress might have been made in areas such as insurance or commercial real estate, but uh, the mainstream banks and investment management firms may be still grappling with the challenge of, you know, how best to integrate Internet of Things into the daily, day-to-day operations. Um, so that's, that's my prediction for 2020 on IoT and financial services.
0: Thank you very much, Val, and Hugh McCullen at Axiomay. Now we're getting fancy. You're up. Talk to me. Predictions. I can give you a full minute as well. Go ahead, Hugh.
3: Okay. Well, um, I think um, one of those areas we just mentioned, the digital encrypted currencies, will become a bit more mainstream. I think bypass banks to become the dominant medium of exchange, uh, particularly for peer-to-peer payments or international payments or uh, transfers between uh, different parts of the world. Um, I would agree with Val that I can't see the full leveraging happening in five years of all of the innovation that's about to take place. But one prediction for sure is that it's going to be a very interesting ride the next five years. Um, and then one final one, which is not really related to the Internet of Things, but I would say that... uh the UK will be getting ready to host the twenty twenty two World Cup which will be taken from Qatar and uh people will shut themselves down next year um, out out of general embarrassment uh, at their behaviour. And
0: uh, that's my
3: that's my that's my favourite <laughs> <question. laughs>
0: No, no political platforming, but you just did, and that's perfectly okay. We love a lively, very lively conversation. Thank you very much. Hugh, uh, he did it. He said it. Ira Burke, I can actually give you 90 seconds for predictions because this is your series, so go ahead where you dare. Well, well, Stop well, laughing, I, I Ira.
4: Wonder if, I wonder now if I should say that bribery is going to become more difficult. I'm not sure.
0: I'm not <laughs>
2: sure. Through Bitcoin.
4: Yes.
0: Absolutely perfect. Per- I was going to ask you to predict about Bitcoin, Ira. So Bitcoin, sports, and bribery. Ira, there's your total, your package for predictions. Now tell me what's going to happen in the next six months. Go ahead.
4: Well, well listen, so, so the, the idea of uh, of not only having these, these new and interesting ways to do transactions, but, but really to embed them. In the activities that we're doing every day, I think are going to become much more common. Um, I think this is one of the major innovations that we've seen recently from Uber and from the services that are like Uber. Right, it's getting so much press and so much attention. Um, and frankly, not only because it's disrupting existing service models, but think how much simpler the payment is. Right, that, that you don't you don't touch money. You you request a car, it shows up, you get in, and you get out. Um and all the uh all the money exchange happens in the background. Although if you know me by now, you know I've also had a problem doing that and I've had money go where it shouldn't go even with Uber. Mm. Um but having but having said that, um I think the idea of uh seeing financial transactions become part of a bigger overall service picture is something that we are gonna see more and more of. It won't be something separate, but it'll be something integrated uh and part of the uh end to end chain that bell was talking about at the uh at the beginning of the show.
0: Thank you very much, and I have to tell Hugh McCullen at Axiom that you have a fan. Somebody at rhinebrand's R-E-I-N-B-R-A-N-D-S, just <laughs> tweeted that their good friend, Hugh McCullen, is on SAP Radio. We don't usually have fan club shout-outs, but we just got one for you, Hugh. There you go. I want to thank wow. my three panelists. Good cut. Yeah, thank wow. You. Ira, do you have a fan club, too? Oh, it's me. Um, the boy. <laughs> it's, it's me. It's me. Uh, Val, Val, and you got to tell us who your fans are. Val Schrinivas at Deloitte, thank you so much. And all the people at Deloitte who help us get such wonderful speakers on so many of our different series. Val, it's a pleasure to speak with you. Thanks for your insights. And we will be evaluating what we see when we get our intelligent information here in the future. Hugh McCullen at Axiom, shout out again to Chris and Chris and whoever Ryan Brands is. I'm sure they love you. And Ira Burke, come on back soon, Ira. It's always a joy. I just can't believe how many great stories you have. And Ira, how many parts of the IoT vision, the IoT intelligence, you are expert in that you can share with us on the radio. So thank you, Ira, for jumping in and being a panelist. You're always welcome here. It's it's your series anyway. Ira Burke, David Yonker, Mahira, Kalim, and Darren Crowder, people at SAP who helped sponsor the series, and Brad and the Business Channel team. Thanks, everyone. Good conversation. That's it for today. I'll be back next week with, uh, let's see, Financial Excellence with Game Changers live show, Monday, 1 p.m. Eastern. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a Game Changer Today. Bye bye.
1: Thanks again for tuning in to Internet of Things with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.